So we're starting a new series. So this series, I don't know how long it's going to go, but we're going to talk about prayer. And it's on this uh, premise, right, or this question. Does prayer really work? Right? So that the emphasis and the understanding, does prayer really work? Now, for all of us, I think we would immediately say, because you're sitting in church, yeah, prayer works, right? Be, you know, you want, you want to be able to believe that it works. But I know, like me, that there are people sitting in this room that prayed very diligently for something, and it didn't work. Anybody? Like, I prayed for something, I asked for something, I followed the prayer rules, right, what everybody told me to do, and in my mind, it didn't work. The outcome wasn't what it was supposed to be. And or, like your experience with prayer, like the, we're going to boil it down, and it seems very simple, like prayer is a, a relationship with God, right? So you just do things so that you can build your relationships. You just talk to him, and, and he'll, you know, you'll build a relationship with him. But I think you're like me in this instance, too. So somebody says, you know, you should pray, and that through praying, you're going to build a relationship. But you know what's hard sometimes about prayer? It's like we're praying to an invisible person, right, and, and we want them to talk, Right? Anybody like have that where you're like, God's supposed to be speaking to me. Am I the only person he doesn't speak to? Anybody? Right? Or have you ever had that like where you're praying and you're like, is that my voice? Is that his voice? Did I make up my answer? Because I kind of like that answer. You know, like, I don't know. Did I make up the answer that I want to hear? Is it my mind? Is it working against me? You know, when you go down, it's a struggle sometimes, right, to really understand what it's like. Or maybe, you know, for, for young people in the room, the, the idea that, like, you can respond to somebody. Because I know sometimes this is a struggle for young people to actually talk to people face-to-face. You know, they're, they're texting everybody or whatever, you know, they're doing. And so face-to-face communication. But even when you text, you expect a response, right, like something to come back. And I think that if you're like me, there's people in this room that have prayed and felt like God was silent. Like I didn't hear, he's not talking. And so the natural response that we go into or the natural place we go into, did I do something wrong? Anybody? Right? Like I wanted something to be answered. God's not speaking to me because you get in a room of people and they're like, oh yeah, God speaks to me every day. Okay, what happened to me, right? Like, is there something wrong in the concept? So you try to process what is it and what does it look like and how can we move forward and how can we understand what prayer really is. So we're going to spend some weeks, first of all, building a foundation. That's what we're going to do today. So today is about building a foundation of prayer that each week that we look at different prayers in Scripture, because that's what we're going to do. We're going to be like, well, if you want to learn prayer, we should probably look at Jesus who said this, which is pretty amazing. Jesus said why he was on this earth, he did not do one thing, not one thing, you know, not one thing without knowing what God wanted him to do, and then he went out and did it. That's prayer, right? I went, I communed with God, I talked to God, God gave me my marching orders for the day, I went out and did it. That's what Jesus did. I heard and obey, heard and obey, heard and obey. So, He had it perfected how do we become more like him and understanding what prayer looks like by looking at the prayers that he did, right? But I think we have to build a foundation. Now, I'm going to tell you some things up front. I'm going to reiterate them as we go. So today, I feel like there's some people that are probably going to be upset at some point in this message, right? 
because I think it's going to hit home personally and personal experiences for some of you. So what I would ask you to do is so when we hit those nerves, like those things that are like, you know, he's specifically talking about me and he doesn't know my story. Anybody ever had that? Like you're listening and you're like, he doesn't know. And if he only knew, if he really knew, he would never say that. So you're right. Not that I would never say it, but I don't know everybody's story. And you're right. I don't know everybody's story, but here's what I'm praying for. We're going to talk about an overarching principle of prayer and how to approach prayer, and the things that are keeping us from being able to do it. And so instead of just looking at your individual circumstance and talking about why you did it, I think you need to look at the overall circumstances and see why are we in the position we're in. Does that make sense? All right, so if you have a Bible, uh, the first scripture we're going to be looking at today is Luke 18. So Luke 18 starts building this foundation of what does it look like for us to be able to understand how to approach prayer and what are some things that we're going to have to settle in our heart because this foundation, right, this foundation that you're going to see in Luke 18, 15 is what sets the launching pad for all of your relationship with God, which is what prayer is. Does that make sense? So it's like a launching pad. You start here, and then from there, you're going to be able to understand prayer on a deeper level. So let's look at what it says. So Luke 18, starting in verse 15, said, People uh, were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Now, there's the important part. Why not hinder them? What was Jesus trying to prove? What was he trying to settle in the hearts of the disciples that they didn't have right yet? The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Now, here's the funny thing. So people get in church for a while. I always laugh about this because people get in church for a while and they're like, yeah, I've been in a church, and then that person has that screaming baby, Judas Priest. Can somebody get rid of the screaming baby, right? Or, like, you knew we were going to do a children's program, and so you stayed home because it's not real church. <laughs> right? Like, we're not going to hear a real sermon. I mean, we have to have the kids up there, and, I mean, they're half nutty. I don't have any of them, right? I didn't really get anything out of the message. Right, like, I'm, so I'm not coming. Anybody, you know, go down those roads, like, when it's not real church, right? He would understand that this is what happens when people become more religious. They miss the whole idea anyway. Like, when, when you're religious and you have this weird concept of how you should approach God, he's saying, you're wrong and those crazy kids are right, right? What they have is right. What you have is wrong. Right? If you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you better approach it like a child. You better have a childlike faith. So what is it that we can learn from children? Well, here's the funny thing. I love this part. Like you get these kids up here, you know, and boys and girls, when it's time to worship, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're, they can't sing. They can't dance. You know, they don't even know the words, but they're still up there like, hey, you know, I love Jesus. I don't know what anybody else is saying. I can't follow the hand motions. I don't know what's going on. But at the end of the day, I'm super excited because I was in BBS. I've been in church. I love Jesus. And then you get older and everybody comes to church like, on the promises, amen, amen, amen. What happened to you? 
What happened to you? You no longer have this innocence and childlike faith that would just say, let it go. You know what the great thing about kids is? They don't care what you think. You know what your problem is? Every action of your life is what everybody else thinks. But if you want a childlike faith and you're going to be a follower of God, springboard, want to move forward with your relationship, you better stop caring about what other people think. Right? Here's the other part of it. Children's prayers love listening to kids pray. You know, because has anybody ever been in a room with people that are like real good prayers and you're like, I ain't following that person because they said all of the words and they were really long and I was just going to say, I love you, Jesus. And then I'm like, I'm not saying anything anymore. Like I'm not going down that road because that is out of my league, right? And we're sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, (laughs) that person is so holy, right? But you know, in scripture, it talks about like, stop saying so many words because you're kind of like the Pharisees and you're just running your yapper and you're missing the point. Right? Like, you don't have to have these long, drawn out, say it all right. In fact, last night we, we took Hadley home after the wedding. And so we get home, get her a shower. Uh, I'm getting ready. Sarah takes her upstairs to go to bed. So they're getting all ready. And, you know, she had to have some crackers. Like, what are you eating crackers at midnight for? Well, mommy always feeds me before bed. And I'm like, Abby, what are you doing? Like, I don't feel like this is the right. But anyway. Give her crackers, give her water. She goes up there, Sarah's like, well, you need to say your prayers. And so she's like, well, I guess I gotta pray for mommy. <laughs> so I'll pray, I'll pray for mommy, and you know, I guess I'll pray for Mason. Now Mason's mean to me, but I guess I have to pray for him because he's at work, right? Amen, right? So then she goes, she goes to lay down, which is hilarious. She goes to lay down, Sarah, so she gets back up. Sarah, Sarah, wait. She's like, I got one more prayer. So she's like, okay, pray. And so she gets there and and she's like, and I want to pray. This is to Sarah's daughter's name, Faith. I want to pray that Faith lives seven more weeks. Amen. (laughs) All right. Sounds good to me, right? Let me get one more day, seven more weeks. But isn't it cool, like the prayer of a child? Nobody has to care. All she knew is she's like talking to God, asking for anything that she wants, right? So there is no filter. There is no, I wonder if people are gonna think I'm stupid that I'm asking that faith is, you know, gonna live for seven more weeks or that Mason was mean. She's just honest, Right, and you're worried about what you're gonna pray. No, we should be like a child. You don't have to have all the right words. You don't have to have it in place. You should just have the desire to wanna go to a father who's listening to you, right? You know what the other thing that we can learn from children? Dependence, right? You know what's so cool about children? Like children who have good fathers, right? So a child that has a good father, you you know what he's gonna do when he has a need? He's like, Dad, it's unfiltered, doesn't matter. Nobody's up there being like, well, I need to really evaluate whether I go to my dad and ask him for this. No, they're like, Dad, Dad, right? I need and I want and I desire and every good father is gonna notice their child. And he's not gonna ask him to word it correctly or have it all right or like he came and asked me, you know, I'm tired of my kids, Right, I'm so sick of them coming and talk to me. Believe me, if you have kids that don't talk to you today, you'll be glad they're coming to you. Right? 
Like if you, these, these opportunities when children are young, we can learn this sense of dependence, right? The sense of like, listen, it's great that they depend on us. But with that comes re- great responsibility. Well, it's the same concept. God's saying, if you're going to come to me, right, if you're going to understand the concept of prayer, come like a child. Know that I, being God, am dependable because that's why children come to their fathers. Right? When a father is dependable, you know what the coolest thing in life is? That it doesn't just happen when they're young. As your children grow, if you're a good father, they keep coming back. Right? They might be more independent than they've ever been in their life, but they're still dependent. They still need a dad. They still need a father. They still need those things in their life. Like, that's important. So he says, same thing, whether you're far along in the faith and new in your faith, depend on me, right? Have a dependence on me. Come with a childlike faith. Now, he then goes on to say, now let me give you this concept. So here's the concept. So come with a childlike faith. This is your foundation, right? Depend, trust, you know, pray, ask, like I'm, I'm going to be here. But he knows what all of us are going to run into. So each one of us are going to start this process and then things of life are going to scathe our perception or our perspective, right? Because some of you have done this. With childlike faith, you've went to God, depended on him, and prayed, and something happened, and it scathed your perspective. True? Right? Like you went. Somebody said, do this, and then you went and did it, and now all of a sudden, you have a life experience, where now a life experience changes how childlike you could be. Right? Changes your perspective on how you go. So he knows that's going to happen, so he's like... Okay, when, when we get to this place, and this is in Luke 11, so if you can be turning there. So in Luke 11, he says, like, this is the, the way to pray, and it's the whole, our Father who art in heaven, how be thy name. But as you go through this, he knows that all of us are going to struggle with practical application, kind of like all of the Bible. Like, we, it's not that we don't know what the Bible says, we just have no idea how to do it. Anybody else in those places? Like, I've read it, but I have no idea how to do it. Right? Like, I have no idea how to apply it. So he's like, I'm going to teach you how to apply it. And here's the greatest thing about Jesus. I'm going to tell you a story. Right? And in this story, I'm going to teach you about an experience of prayer that you can come back to and you can have in the back of your mind. Because when you go with childlike faith, these are some of the things that you're going to run into. Right? So this is Luke 11, starting in verse 5. Here's what he says. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend... And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. This door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Now, to understand the story, you have to have some some contextualization. So back in the day when he was telling this story, nobody had DoorDash. Right? You couldn't be like... Hey, a friend showed up at midnight, somebody call McDonald's, right, and bring us some food because I don't have any food, nor did they have a fridge, right? Like, they didn't have this fridge where you're just going to pull everything open, you know, they didn't have microwaves, chicken nuggets, chicken fingers, things that you can just throw in for somebody that came over. You made enough food for the day, and when the end of the day was done, you waited till tomorrow, and you got up and got enough food. So this guy shows up then, and he doesn't have anything, and that would have been normal, right, that that he wouldn't have had anything. The other part of it is, is that it's midnight. Now, I know for some of you guys, you're like, midnight? Well, that's not that late. Well, 
That was late then because when it was dark, they went to bed, right? Or made babies, like one of the two, you know, but (laughs) the idea was conceptually, you weren't watching TV. You can laugh, but that's why there was a bunch of kids. Like, that's how it works. What else are you going to do? Right? So there was no TV. You weren't going to be, you know, you didn't have a lot to read. You weren't on your phone. There weren't those things to do, so you went to bed, right? When it was dark, you went to bed. When it was light, I know this is going to be a funny concept for you night owls. People got up when the sun came up. Isn't that crazy? Like, some of you are like, I haven't seen a sunrise in years. Well, that, you know, people went to bed when it was dark and got up when the sun rose. So for somebody to show up at midnight, it was like, what, what is going on? We've been to bed for hours, right? Like something, this concept, and I don't want to get out of bed, right? Now, he continues the story, and he tells him this in verse 8. So that's the story that's set up. And then he says in verse 8, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of your friendship, right? He's not going to get up and give it to you because of your friendship. This is the reason why. Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now, here's, here's the concept. Here, here's how he's trying to talk through it, right? So he's trying to tell you, if you want to approach God from a childlike faith, you're going to have to understand the concept of a friend. Now, here's what he was saying. If I have a best friend, so let's just say Thaddeus is my best friend, right? So if Thaddeus is my best friend, not a friend, right? Like, but he's my best friend. He's this, this person that I have, because that's what Scripture's saying. And I was at a place, no matter what time of the day it was, if Thaddeus is my best friend, and I show up at Thaddeus's house, and I ask him for help, what is Thaddeus going to do? Help me, right? There is no doubt right? That if he is a true friend, because you know how we differentiate people who say they're friends to really friends? Because you know everybody has a lot of friends until somebody shows up and say, I need you, and they're like, whoa, (laughs) hey, I ain't got any time. I don't have, you know, go ask somebody else. I don't have any margin. True friends are people that are going to wake up at midnight and going to give you what you need, right? And so God is saying, like, here's a concept that you need to understand. I, being God, like a friend. Isn't it crazy? What friend, right, what friend would deny the opportunity to help the person that he's friends with? Or otherwise, he's just not a friend, right? And so he starts talking about this. Now, I'm going to challenge you guys because, you know, as we go through this, because here's the other thing. When he went over there, was he asking for something that, that if he didn't get it, he was going to die? No, it was just like, can I have some extra food? I got a friend and I want to be a good friend to this other person. Can you help me be a good friend? Right? Well, the concept of what he's trying to teach you is, is that we, when we go to a friend, we shouldn't go to a friend just because it's life and death situation. Like if Thaddeus is really my friend, then Thaddeus knows me and every need that I have, Thaddeus is going to know because he knows my life and he's my friend and we talk all of the time. And so I'm going to be able to come to him and I'm going to be able to say like, this is what I need and he's going to know me. Right? Like, that's what a friendship is. That's why, you know, when he's talking about if you want a relationship with God or you want to have a good prayer life, you got to know each other. But you got to spend time with each other. You got to have a friendship that you can be able to go to that person and you can spend time with that person that that friendship then builds. So he's saying, like, how crazy is it that, that you, 
you know, when you're looking at this, wouldn't know that your friend's going to meet your need. Now, he did say, though, that here's the deal. (laughs) So your friend is going to be asleep, right? And you're going to knock on the door because it's just kind of how it works sometimes. And you're going to be like, hey, and, and, and the concept is, that, or what he's trying to teach you is, it's not like our rooms today. So in our houses today, we have kids' wings and our wing. Like, try to keep them as far away from you as you can. Like, get them upstairs, and we're going to be downstairs. Those houses back then were one-room houses, and when you went to bed at night, there was a mat, and everybody slept together. Right, like that's the way it works. So there's going to be some inconveniences. So even though Thaddeus is my friend, sometimes out of just like, okay, any night other than this night, we just got the kids to bed and I'm so tired. He's saying, but you know what? It doesn't matter because a true friend, if you keep knocking, if you keep persisting, not because you're, you're a friend, but because of your persistence, you're going to get what you need. So you know what he's teaching you? Stop giving up. You see, some of you have given up too early. Some of you have been praying for things and you've been knocking and you've been trying and you're like, nobody comes to the door, nobody comes to the door. He's like, keep coming to the door. Not because he's your friend or not because, you know, he should, but just because you keep knocking, God's going to show up, right? Be persistent in your faith. Be persistent in your asking. And he says that I'm going to be able to, to, to interject or be able to offer things in that situation because we ask with boldness. And then he goes on and says this, so I t- say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, probably one of what I would consider most uh, misaddressed or uh, interpreted scripture, you know, in, in all of the things that churches talk about. Because essentially, here's what it's saying, and this is how it's preached. Ask seek and knock and you get whatever you want true right like i mean they're just people that preach that and you know what they preach if you're not getting what you want there's something wrong with you your faith not good enough did you not pray the right words did you not do the formula right did you get out of order is there sin that you need to deal with does god just not like you Right? Is God just not happy with you? Did you do something wrong in your past that's always going to haunt you for the rest of your life? And because you did something wrong in your past, you're never going to get these prayers answered? Listen, you know how we talked about in the beginning that when we're in relationship and when we're in friendship, if Thaddeus is my best friend, Thaddeus knows me and also knows what I need. Okay? Now, here's the key. If I go to Thaddeus and he knows me and I ask and I seek, and I knock. He will be able to differentiate, because he knows me, the difference between what I need and what I want. Does that make sense? Right, like the differentiation in a, when you're in a relationship with somebody, they know and understand what is best for you, and sometimes the world can blind us, right? You could want something so much that you can't see the will of God and what he's doing and how he's operating and what this looks like that we get so blinded that sometimes our friend needs to say, listen, that might be what you want, but that's not what you need. This is what you need. And you're going to have to trust that your friend is looking out for you. Difficult? 
significantly difficult. Right, because we're putting our trust in somebody that you know supposedly knows us, right, and understands. So when he says, "Ask," you're right. We should bring every request in front of God, every one of them. There shouldn't be one request that you shouldn't bring in front of God. Then you have to determine because this is the problem in prayer. You ask God and seek somebody else. You ever done that or been that place? You ask God, and then you go seek somebody else who can give you the answer. You don't wait, right? Like, he's saying when you ask, then push into your relationship with me. Don't just ask like you put the quarter in the vending machine, and then you're going to go out and try to get your own way. Is that connecting at all? Right? Like, you, you're asking, but you're not really trusting. You're just going through the most, and you don't honestly think he's going to answer, so you're going to go out and try to find your own answer. Right, you're seeking. So what he's saying is when you ask, push into me who is the only one who knows what you need. Right? Push into that relationship because I'm the one that you should be seeking. I'm the one that has the answers. You can get advice from all kinds of other people, but know that I have the right advice. Right? And then he just says, you know what? There are times in your life where you have been giving up, you know, you've been praying for a kid forever, you've been praying for a healing forever, you've been praying for, you know, a person forever, and you've just given up because you've said the same prayer over and over again. He says, it doesn't matter, keep knocking. Keep going to the throne room. Keep, keep asking for those things because ask, seek, and knock, and the one who knows you will give you what you need. Good? Right? So, so he gives us that perspective of a friend. Now, this is where it gets a little dicey. So if you remember in the beginning when I said, hey, there's going to be some stuff we're going to talk about that you might be mad, well, here it comes, right? Because he's talking about the concept of a friend. So you look at God as a friend. You should approach it from the aspect of a child. So we have this childlike faith. Now, all of the sudden, he brings in this next idea that I think we look at and we're like, oh, that makes sense. But I think it's a bigger struggle than what we think. Here's what he says. Which of you uh, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, you know what he's doing? So he's going from a friend, and you know why he goes from a friend to a father? Because this is what we're supposed to think, but I think this is what's broke. Right? This is what he's trying to say. So Thaddeus, my friend, this is what he knows, right? All of us have been let down by our friends. And Jesus would know even in his times that there's times we counted on a friend and they just weren't there. That's why they say I promise all the time because they don't always follow through. But you know what conceptually, remember when I said when the ideal, you know, the ideal of scripture, here's what he's saying in the ideal of scripture. You might be let down by a friend, but you know who you should never be let down by? Never. Here's the ideal, a father. You should never, this is the ideal, no one in this room in the ideal of scripture should have ever been let down by a father, right? That's the ideal. This is what he's trying to say. What father, like think about this, what father who loves his son would bring him into this world and not care for him, take care of him, be there for him, protect him? What father does that? Anybody? 
Like that's, that's the idea. But you're right, like that's the ideal. He's saying, and this isn't to shame anybody, so I want, I, and I want you to understand this. This isn't to shame anybody who didn't do their job, nor to just unearth some things for the purpose of unearthing him. It's just to start understanding this concept of what God says is so important. Fathers and mothers, you cannot underestimate the power that you have in the influential ages of these children to give them the right perspective of understanding an invisible God someday. Now, can God redeem? Can God change? Because, you know, a lot of us grew up without a dad in the picture, right? A lot of us grew up and those things weren't the case. But we've come to a place now where we've accepted our responsibility and we're gonna move on. Now, Here's what we have to, to, to think through. So when he's talking about this, this is what I want you to see. God understands something that we can't write out of the church because of the culture that we're in today. The fabric of the family, mother and father, and what he created was to create the foundation of a relationship with him someday. Does that make sense? And I know we live in a world today where they're like, that's not in anybody's home, or that's in very few people's homes, so why are you going to address this? Because we got to do something about it. We got to redeem it. We got to talk about it. We got to change it. We got to figure out how, where we fit in. We can't just leave it there. But here's what I want you to, to hear. And so this is, I'm going to read you a scripture from Malachi. So this is Malachi 4, 5 through 6, last book of the Old Testament. And I'm going to read it to you because I want you to hear this. So um, the scripture that we read, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, and then we have 400 years or so of silence before we see the introduction of Jesus into the world. And so at the end of Malachi, the prophet is talking about what is to come, right? Now, I want you to think about this. If you could write something down at the end of, of your letter and you, could, you, know, you were going to talk about it, wouldn't you probably put the most important thing that you don't want people to forget like, these are my last words to you. I want you to hear them. Like, these are my last words. Don't miss these things. If you have to come back to something, don't miss these things. Well, I, want to hear what, I want you to hear what he says. Malachi 4, 5 through 6. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day uh, of the Lord comes. This is what's going to happen, right? This is what he needs to happen. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Listen, well, I don't want to go into the deep theological piece of what Malachi is trying to do. I just want you to see this from a big picture view. Here Malachi has an opportunity to speak, and here's what he says. The, the foundation of people today is eroding because children are not turning their hearts to their parents and parents are not turning their hearts to their children and we are not doing the responsibilities of the things that we're supposed to do. So you're seeing the foundation of things rot away and we're all sitting back saying, what's going on? I don't understand. And these kids and what's happening? So I want to give you a challenge, right? Because I want you to hear this. Kids, it says to you very specifically, you need to turn your hearts to your parents. And if you don't have parents, you need to find father and mother figures. Because here's what's happening in our, in our world today. 
Because he knew that you needed to understand the heart of a mother and the heart of a father. Because here's what he knew, right? Like this was going to come someday. All children need to understand what it looks like to honor and submit to an earthly mother and father so that someday when you say, hey, you should submit to an invisible God, they're like, what are you talking about? I didn't even honor my father and mother on this earth, right? I didn't have any concept of that. So if we teach this at a very young age that you're going to get this understanding that even though my parents weren't there, maybe some other parent or some other father or somebody stepped in that place, some other mother, I'm going to learn what it's like for a good father and a good mother to love me. Right? Now, here's a statistic, and I know you're not going to like to hear this, and parents, I don't know you're not going to hear this either, but you know what the average time that a child spends behind their electronic devices today a day, nine hours a day, nine hours a day, kids are being inundated with the things that are coming through their phone and through their tablets, and here's the crazy part, we're okay with it. In fact, it's become one of the best babysitters you could ever get, right? Give them your phone, give them your tablet, give them something to entertain them. And it's as young kids, we're like, what's the big deal? At least they're not screaming, right? At least they're not bugging me. And then pretty soon we have these kids that will spend hours wearing things on their face, spending time in their room. Like kids will get home, and we think this is completely normal, that kids will get home, eat some food out of the fridge, go sit in their room for hour after hour after hour, or go somewhere else and segregate themselves from the world, and they play all these games, living in a world where they're being given things that I just want you to know and understand this. I don't know what your view of social media is, but I know what the people's view of that made social media they are there to inundate and change the lives of your children. And you're giving them nine hours a day. And then we're under like, what's wrong with these kids? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they don't understand the role of a father and mother. Maybe what they understand is what they're being told on TikTok and YouTube and the things that they're watching and the things that they're doing. And everybody's like, oh, no, they don't do that stuff. Are you kidding me? I have seen and watched kids like... I'm like, what are you doing? Are you an idiot? And they're like, yeah, I saw it on TikTok. Or I saw it on YouTube. Don't tell me that people aren't emulating what they see. They're not trying to do those things. And, I, and again, I get it. There's good things and bad things about it. But the understanding is nine hours a day. Kids, listen to me. Here's your challenge. If you don't want destruction later on in your life, you better put down your devices and you better seek out live people. You better seek out moms and dads. Parents, we need to help them through this process because for some kid to just walk out here today and, and come up to you and be like, hey, Dad, I decided to stop playing my PlayStation just so I can spend time with you. That probably ain't happening. But you could encourage it, right? Like, you can encourage it. You can put you know, things in place to encourage those things because they need their hearts turned to their fathers and their mothers or otherwise you're going to have destruction down the road. Right? So hearts of fathers and mothers. Here's the other thing. we got to figure this out. So some of you are great parents, and some of you have had great parents, and some of you are great fathers. But here's what I want you to hear. 33% of kids today live in fatherless homes. 33% of all children are growing up in fatherless homes. And again, here's all I want you to hear. Like there are reasons for all of that, and there's things all that. My bigger question is this. Men who have been there and done that, 
now that have time to not be able to do what they could do before because you're raising your own kids, will you be a father figure in the lives of these kids? Because here's, you know, you know what's funny about church? You know where the hardest place to find volunteers for? What do you want to guess it is? Children's and youth, right? Children's and youth. And I get it. Like when I was raising my kids, they're like, can somebody please put them over there? I just want to be an hour away from them, right? So when you go to church, like somebody, well, I get that. But you know, some of us already raised our kids or some of us don't have kids. We could be doing some of that. And isn't it crazy that some of these kids that you could interact with don't have a father at home and one hour of your time saying, I'm going to be your dad. I'm going to be a man. I'm going to show you. Do you know what that could change when you plant those seeds and you do those things? How much could be different in the life of a child? I mean, you've got a pretty good opportunity. 33% of kids don't have a father or even more of that. Their fathers are absent. You would get a chance, right? Now, we need to figure that piece out in our life when we need to be able to do it. Here's the other thing. So, you know, we're talking about fabric, the fabric of moms and dads and the family system and knowing that we as fathers and mothers will have a role someday. Here's what I want you to hear. Now, again, this is where it's going to get real dicey. So don't take this personally or don't think of it personally, but think of it from a broader perspective. Here's what I want you to hear. You know where the most unsafe place in the world today is? Most unsafe place in the world. The mother's womb. For the third year running, abortion leads deaths by astronomical amounts to everything else that people are dying from. Now, I want you to hear this. I'm not condemning. I'm not pointing fingers. I know that everybody has a story, but I want you to hear this, right? For this is the stat. 2021, 42.6 million children were aborted. 42.6 million you know how many people COVID killed? 3.5 million. Now, I'm not doing this to like stir the pot, but I want you to hear this. You know how much uproar there was to close the churches and to be away from people and not be together and not do, and that Christian people and, and political leaders were all just crazy. I mean, the amount of phone calls I got when we opened up of people that were just like, this is the worst thing that I've ever seen, and why are you guys doing all of this, and just raising a stink, and people getting mad, and families dividing over this. But nobody called me about 42.6 million children being killed in the same year. You know what that says? Now, I want you to hear this and take this the best way possible. You know why it's possible for 42.6 million children to be aborted in a year? You know why that's possible for the most part? Because we have young men and young women doing whatever they want to do, having sex as much as they want, and choosing that I can do these things without accepting the role as a father and the role as a mother. I'm just going to go out and I'm going to do whatever. So we wonder why the fabric of the family screwed up? Because we have kids right now that are okay with their babies being killed so they can satisfy their own desire. Is something broke? 
When we want to close churches over COVID, we better figure out the real problem. The problem wasn't COVID. We got a heart problem that needs fixed. There's something in here that needs to change because back to what he's trying to say, you know what he's trying to say? Listen, a real father would never harm his child. That's what he says. No real mother would ever harm their child, right? Now again, I get it. There's all kinds of circumstances and all types of things that go with it, but in the ideal, who loves their life so much that they would trade the life of somebody else for it. And then we want to say, you know what we should do? Like, you know, when these kids grow up, they should understand a relationship with a father that will never leave them or a father that will never forsake them or a father, yet we have a generation and a fabric and a moral uh, just decay inside of our world where being a father and being a mother is completely optional. And then we're telling our kids, you should love Father God. How do you think that goes? Right? We have got to figure out that your perception, what you grow up with, what you understand, what you dads, listen to me right now, dads, you are giving a perspective Right Now, God can redeem it if you're doing it wrong, but I want you to hear this. Your sons and your daughters are getting a perspective of God the Father based upon you the Father. To you have kids, they'll be like, why don't you pray? Well, if it's like God the Father, my dad was never there when I asked him. If it was like God the Father, you know, my dad, not only did I go and ask him for something, he did give me a snake. Right? Like those perspective change people in the midst of those things. So when the worship teams, they're going to come back up, here's what I want you to think through, or here's what I want you to process. So what do we do? Right? So here's the big question. So what do we do? How do we move forward? Right? So in all of these things, all of us have a perspective that we need to work on. Right? Like all of us in the midst of this got to figure it out. Like for some of us today, like you need to get back to childlike faith. The circumstances of the world have ruined you, right? The, the things that, that you prayed for have scathed you so much that, that we got to get back to, you know what, I got I to gotta believe in a childlike faith. Like, I got to get back to the place where, you know what, I don't have to have it all right. I don't have to say, like, I don't even really know how to pray. And there's times in my life I don't even know what to say. But at the end of the day, he knows me and he knows a lot of me and he's still my dad. It's childlike faith, right? We need to get back on a childlike dependence no matter what you think your request is. God's not up there ready to throw stones at you because you showed up in the throne room. Right? He's welcoming you in like every single father who loves their kids. Would they be like, come on in, sit down, even if it's the 10th time you've been here today, keep coming in the room. Right? That childlike faith, that understanding of what those things look like. We need to maybe get to the place where you're bold again. Like some of you had asked and you were really bold and it didn't work and you stopped being bold. You stopped asking expectantly because the last time you asked expectantly it didn't happen. 
So you've came to the place where like you offer up some prayers, but you're not expecting God to do anything. Well, maybe you need to get to the place where we would ask expectantly, like the boldness would come out inside of each one of our hearts. Like we would take that childlike faith and that we would bold. Maybe we need to repair some things. Even though the world has scathed you a little bit on your friendships or scathed you a little bit on a father or scathed you a little bit on a mother, you can know this today. You can know this today. That you can go to the Father and he can heal those things that have been broken for you for a really long time. A friend who has let you down, a father who has let you down, God can heal broken places. And when you let him heal those broken places, it changes the way you come to him. It just does. Let him heal your wound. Forgive your father. Forgive your mother. Forgive your friends that have let you down. And trust in the one who will never let you down. Right? Let those things come back in your life. And I want to leave you with this. Keep being persistent. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've prayed for many things. <laughs> they haven't turned out quite the way that I wanted them to. But it's not going to change. And I'm not going to keep asking. I'm not going to keep knocking. I'm not going to keep going persistent. Because my father who loves me, knows me, and will give me what I need. And he will you too. Will you stand so I can pray for you? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we can come to you and call you Father and know that you will never let us down. Heavenly Father, I pray today for those who need healed, that their childlike faith has been ripped away by a crappy world. Lord, I pray that that faith would come back. Lord, I pray for those men who have been absent, Lord, but want to be present again. I pray for those men and women out there that had absentee fathers and mothers that weren't there that, that have been redeemed by God and now they can go back and break that generational cycle by being that in the lives of other people. Lord, I pray that we'll have the courage to do those things. And Heavenly Father, I pray that in everything that we do, we bring glory to you and you alone. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.